Are you looking for a way to deepen your prayer life and faith this Advent season? A Contemplative Las Posadas by Bill Snyder is a novena that offers reflections based on the traditional Mexican devotion that reenacts the journey of Saint Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The ecclesiastically approved devotional is available for purchase for only $4.99 on our website, patchworkheart.org, or emailing info at patchworkheart.org. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this evening. It's hard to believe uh, I'm saying we are in December uh, here, but it's great to be back and be live with you once again. We hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and enjoyed our programs uh, with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and uh, Sarah Christmeyer. If you haven't listened to them, go on back into our podcast feed and take a listen. Uh, but uh, it is great to be with you and be with you live once again here on the Sewing Hope Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my friend Anna Santos. How are you, Anne? Oh, awesome, Bill. Good to have you back. <laughs> it's nice to be From back. your vacation. Yeah, it's nice to be back uh, in the United States, uh, although I gained a little bit of weight over Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure many, many Americans did. But uh, anyway, uh, we, I know we have a wonderful guest, so why don't we cut right to the chase and tell us about him tonight? Yes, I'm very thrilled that we have with us Jason Jensen coming to us from Vancouver, Canada, and he is with Glass Canvas. It's an agency focused on unlocking ministry potential, and they specialize in strategy, marketing, and digital experiences. Jason, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a real uh, joy to be on here with you guys. Yeah, we have so much to talk about because I know you are doing amazing work, and I was looking through your website and thinking, my goodness, this is Awesome, because I actually am the director for a nonprofit myself, and I'm looking at all the great things that you do to help uh, Catholic organizations. So please do. Let's start out with your faith journey. I know that right before we started, you and I were just talking before uh, we got, you know, actually started with the podcast, and you were telling me that you would be so happy to share that faith journey with everyone. Yeah, uh, it's always a privilege to be able to share my story with others, and um, it sort of has different phases, uh, as you know, God has broken into my life and, uh, I grew up Catholic, but, um, and I would say as a young kid, I kind of really had a connection with God, but then, um, through, uh, a series of events kind of in my teen years, I think it was a typical story just, uh, followed sort of the culture around me. And, uh, I was born and raised in South Africa and we immigrated to Canada right around when I was turning 16. And just that displacement or everything just turned my life into a turmoil and uh, really was like trying to cling on to something that was meaningful. And uh, my faith just, there was no appealing version of Catholicism that surrounded me at the time. Like I didn't, didn't have that. And uh, fast forward to uh, my parents moved from one side of uh, Vancouver to another side and there was this evangelical university there and they said, Hey, um, they kind of having a sense for where I was at said, 
hey, we'll, we'll pay for your first year if you go here. But if you go anywhere else, you're on your own. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I told my mom, I said, uh, just before uh, the first day of classes, I said, oh, I don't want to go to a school full of a bunch of Bible thumpers. <laughs> and those are like famous last words. Uh, a guy named uh, Denver Harris, uh, he probably isn't listening to the podcast, an evangelical guy. And he's, he just was able to share the faith in a really relevant way. And the charisma kind of just hit me for the first time. Um, and so I was uh, in sort of a six month period exploring uh, uh, the evangelical world of faith and end up going, you know, I was saved by an altar call, you know, of all things. Wow. And uh, just put my hand up and I said, I want more God and uh, felt the uh, the Lord kind of enter my life for the first time, you know, for the first time in my adult life in a really meaningful way. And, but there was still some part of Catholicism and I'm so grateful for this, that I was like, Oh, I wasn't ready to throw the baby out with a bathwater. I never, never in the time I was trying to search for God felt anger or whatever to the church. And I feel like that was a real grace. Um, so I went back and talking to, uh, the parish priest at the time, who's now, um, a bishop and I was like, okay, what's with Mary and the saints and all that kind of stuff. And he had just these really satisfying intellectual answers that kind of calmed my heart and steadied my heart. And that was the initial phase. And then you had all the, all the, um, sort of the, 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 you know, the baby fruit, you know, you got the freebies of, you know, your early conversion and, you know, grace just, you know, comes a lot easier and stuff like that. So, uh, so that was really great. And then, uh, the other part that I really want to share with you is like the season that I've been coming into the last few years is I heard a guy who has now become a really close friend and mentor. His name's uh, Jake Kim. His wife, Heather Kim, is part of, is on the podcast uh, Abiding Together. And so they're, they're local. They live really close to where I live. And I started going out for coffee with him later on. But the first time I heard him talking about God as father, and I was like, wait. God as father, like, you know, I get the our father and, you know, the, the language is familiar, but the idea of God actually being my dad, it was blowing my mind as in a, in a really um, unique way. It was just, it spoke to me, you know, how sometimes the gospel just breaks through and then all of a sudden you, you can catch that idea. Uh, and so I was just watching it online, which is uh, ironic now in a pandemic with all that's going on, but it actually, it really affected me. And I just decided, Hey, I'm going to try this out as if it's real, as if it's, uh, it was almost like an experiment where I said, I think I'm going to go for it until it doesn't work anymore to live as if God is my real dad, like bring him into meetings, you know, take him wherever I go, like kind of uh, as if a dad would be walking with me and guiding me and helping me live life in a, in a whole, in a better way. And slowly he, uh, he started to rewrite who he was in my life. And these ideas that I had about wh who God was. And, um, it was really through people that he was giving me saying, Hey, I'm like this, I'm like this, I'm like this. And one story of those um, if I can keep sharing, I, I, yeah, I'm on, um, yeah. So one story I'm, uh, uh, I'm escaping in, you know, I'm really finding like these sacred parts of my heart when I go fishing and it was, a, it was a new experience for me. And, um, 
and I was pretty terrible at fishing. You know, we're out here in British Columbia. There, there are lots of, we have a really great salmon run, but I couldn't catch anything. And I, I, you know, I'm frustrated and the Lord provided this fishing version of himself for me. And his name's Austin. And, um, he kind of initiated me into fishing and it was, it's hard to describe, but it was like a spiritual experience having him father me through that. Uh, and a few years into it, I'd been really, you know, I'd really grown and I'd caught two, two salmon and they're sitting on the, on the bank of the river behind me. And, you know, I got a big family. We had uh, four kids at the time. We have five now. And all of a sudden, uh, I hear, I say, Hey, you know, should I gut these fish right away? Or like, is it okay if I do it at home? You know, the real best. And he's like, Duh, you know, you probably should do it now. It's, it's better. Uh, makes for better eating and makes for better cleanup and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, but the fishing is so good. And so I just kept on fishing. And then I turned around and a couple of minutes later, and I see that Austin in such a kind way is gutting my fish for me. Mm-hmm. And there's like these two parts within me that are, that are saying, oh, I should be, you know, as a man, I should be cleaning those fish myself. And then the other part of me feels the father's voice just say, let me love you in this way. And, uh, that was a, one of many very healing experiences of, uh, God rewriting, uh, who he was in my heart. And yeah, it's been a, it's been amazing journey ever since to discover that we have a dad who loves us unconditionally. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a little taste of my story. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, I, you know, I, I really love how, you know, you, you know, you talked, especially in the beginning there about, you know, somebody hitting you hard with the Kerygma, uh, you know, not everybody know, understands or maybe knows exactly what that is, but it's basically the, with the, um, you know, the, you know, the central theme of Christ, you know, the, the passion, death, resurrection of Jesus and, and, and what he did. And, and that's such an important part of our Catholicism, but, it, but it's not often preached. It came to you through, an, you know, an evangelical way, uh, through an evangelical brother. And that's amazing um, because I think, you know, as Catholics, we have to do so much more of that talk about exactly, you know, who Jesus is and what he came to do. <laughs> he came for one purpose, you know, uh, and, and I think that that's such a beautiful part, part of your story. And then really to expand on that and say that God is your father, um, you know, and, and, that, and that to bring him into the daily activity uh, and, and life and to recognize, uh, you know, his fatherly role in everything, um, you know, from meetings to fishing. Wow, what a powerful uh, what a powerful witness, and it, it's one that challenges me, and cha- I think challenges a lot of people listening right now, to um, to really say, uh, you know, and, and invite God in in a, in a powerful way as as your Father, to to um, to uplift you. So thank you so much for your witness. That's just totally beautiful, Jason. Yeah, thank you. I thank you too. I love the image and. Um we all need to know that God is our father. And that story tells that in in such a good way in your personal journey. And we always appreciate on sowing hope when people tell those personal journeys, because that's where it all begins. No matter what your ministry is, it begins with, you know, how did you get to the point where you wanted to go into ministry? So, uh, so what happened after that? I mean, uh, in your life, because obviously there was another point that came that God spoke to you about getting involved in ministry. We'd love to hear. Yeah. So, uh, 
uh, I graduated university and then got into a business and uh, in classic young man fashion uh, was full of, you know, self-confidence and all those things. And then the 2008 recession happened and lost it all, went through, you know, uh, quite a bit of turmoil. And I, I discovered at that point that I had so much of my identity wrapped in success. And when that was taken away, uh, I really had to rediscover who I was uh, as a person and where I was putting my identity in. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny to say this was, we actually yesterday or on the first, uh, we celebrated nine years of glass canvas. So this is, you know, almost a decade ago. And uh, in looking for new jobs, I, I interviewed at a couple of spots and it was it just in a weird way, never those interviews never progressed further. I didn't get a no, but I didn't get a yes. And so I said, you know, what every other entrepreneur does after, you know, epic failure is I started another business. And that first Easter, I remember debating with the Lord because the models at the time for agencies or, or sort of people in the marketing world were you do 80% for-profit clients and then 20% non-profit clients. That's how you could do the, do the work for the church. But what I was seeing at the time was that uh, that model wasn't working because you'd have this really great agency or group come do this really great work, but then Sony or Nike or whoever else came and did that work, um, they were the ones who were really paying the bills. So that's like, oh, we're sorry, ministry, church, whatever it is, uh, we got to take care of our real clients now. And I was, I was that Easter, I was really wrestling with the Lord and I was saying, I really want a hundred percent ministry agency. And I, it was, it's funny because I was actually negotiating with God that that be okay because all the advice around me was saying, that's a terrible business model to focus your financial future on just serving the church uh, or, you know, nonprofits or things like that. And, but I just felt really strongly. I think this was a gift. And that Easter vigil, I was there praying and I, I heard this really kind line, the father saying, just do it until you can't pay the bills. And that gave me permission to try. And that's, uh, that's all I needed was to be able to, to, to try. And God has been so faithful to us throughout the years. So we've only taken on uh, churches, charities, and nonprofits in the faith in the faith space. So we have worked with some evangelical clients and um, some pro-life clients who uh, are a little bit veiled in that they're, they're, their whole board is Christian or, or Catholic and, uh, or evangelical, and they are, um, but they really all have, uh, they're, built, they're all building the kingdom in one way, shape, or form. So that's, that's kind of how that progressed into, into that. And then I just had this, um, you guys have probably had this before. There was this part in the world that I was just, I just knew had to be filled. You know, I was, uh, the church wasn't telling and hasn't been able to tell its story for herself in that we see in culture, m much of the culture is telling the church's story for her. Mm. And that just really compelled me to say, oh, the gospel deserves a more competitive message in our culture. Not that it needs to be changed or anything along those lines. It just needs to be presented in a way that can resonate, you know, 
in the world that we live in. And that kind of started the journey of, of glass canvas. And, uh, uh, I pitched that idea to a friend and he said, he said, yes. And then quickly we, you know, um, two other friends joined us within a year and we've been able to grow over the last nine years until there's, there's 19 of us now. And we're, you know, we're having the time of our lives. I love that story. Awesome. Yeah. And it's still being told, isn't it? Every single day that you do your, your work and, uh, and it's, it's kind of perfect timing. I'm thinking with this pandemic, because, you know, everything is really online anymore. And I'm sure that your business, because you help people with that aspect, what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's, um, a lot of our clients, right when the pandemic hit, uh, there was this real interesting it's, you know, go or no go, you know, I think the whole world kind of felt that. And at the same time, we've been trying to launch this Tilma uh, product that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. And what ended up happening was uh, we had, we'd been able to save up some money and as a business. And then we'd also, we felt like God was starting to ask us this this deep question. So we'd entered uh, the OSV innovation challenge and worked with the Notre Dame idea center. And this idea of uh, going from an agency to being a product company just kept coming back for us in saying we've developed technology over the last, you know, five years. And the beautiful thing about just picking nonprofits is that we've always had the, uh, the mentality of, Hey, if we build this for you, uh, are you okay if the next client gets to use it? Uh, because if you're in a, in, a, in a different agency that's building technology, say you, you focus on banks, uh, one bank doesn't want you to use the competitive advantage for the next bank that you work with. So you basically start from scratch over and over and over again. But we were able to save our clients money, but also keep developing our technology over the last five years. And that led to the point with the pandemic that, um, yeah, well, the other thing I should mention is our clients actually like that because the work that they get to invest in gets to bless the kingdom in another spot. And so over the last five years, we've developed technology and it kind of got to a point where God had orchestrated all these things where ministries were, uh, not in the best place to say, Hey, this is what we can commit to in a year. And at the same time, this door of, of bringing Tilma to life as a real product, uh, in and of itself was, was becoming true. And we've been, we prayed as a team and, uh, we, we, we made the shift during the pandemic of saying, Hey, the church needs us now more than ever, uh, because all of, of communication has, has gone online in many ways, you know, streaming mass and, um, communicating to the gospel. And we see different spots that got caught, um, in tough spots because they hadn't, they didn't have that digital infrastructure and we just wanted to jump in and really serve the church in that way. So, mm. so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Wow. That's really incredible. And, and I just taking a look at the, you know, the, the Tilma product, I would love it if you would share with us a little bit more about that because, uh, it, it, it looks so, so neat, uh, as, as a platform. So if you talk with us a little bit about that, you know, we have, of course, always have a lot of nonprofits and people in ministry listening to the podcast. So, um, that'd be so cool for us, you know, just to be able to share with our listeners about that, if you would. Mm. Yeah. So, um, 
At the heart of what we're trying to do with Tilma is almost the heart of what we would always been done is, is this idea of unlock ministry potential. That's, uh, that's what us as glass canvas. That's just the thing that we always constantly want to be doing is saying, Oh, what part of the kingdom are you called and anointed to build? And how do we give you the tools and infrastructure and whatever you need to do that really well? And so Tilma is, uh, we became obsessed with this idea of how do we democratize amazing ministry experiences and give that into the hands of a diocese. And uh, I believe that um, there's this, this pastor, I, I think he's, I believe his name is Bill Hybels. He, he coined this phrase. He said, the local church is the hope for the world. And uh, I believe that is absolutely true. And if you think about the power of every diocese to move the needle in a city, it's just unbelievable. And so Tilma is, uh, it's a holistic ministry system that has tools. It has a ministry philosophy baked into it uh, that can help uh, dioceses get people on personalized ministry journeys. So a story is probably helpful to, to outline what that means. So imagine you have this couple who's sacramentalized, but not evangelized. They are coming to get married in the church, but their faith sort of means something to them getting married in the church, but that they, um, you know, uh, it's important maybe because of grandma. Uh, and so they end up coming to the pastor. It's usually a clunky system because it's difficult to all work together as the, if the diocese is managing marriage prep, or if that's done at the parish level, and just coordinating all those pieces feels uh, feels messy. But with Tilma, they would come and they would register on their parish website, which would then give uh, the, the diocese leader and the parish leader the key information that they need. So we have their email, we have their name, we have their wedding date. And at that point, we can say, how do we give them a vision for Catholic marriage that they might not get? Because if they start marriage prep with that, uh, they're far more likely to understand and to be uh, enriched by even a marriage prep program. And we know that there's a lot of great ones out there. And then they continue going on. So if we serve them content or experiences before marriage prep, then they go through marriage prep in a better way. And then from marriage prep to their actual wedding day, if we you know, have encouraging messages or whatever, that's also great. And imagine we could... Uh, help a bishop write a really thoughtful thing on their wedding day. And then it says, we're really excited that you've chosen um, to be married, the sacrament of marriage, and uh, that your love, we're encouraged by young people who are willing to love each other and, you know, commit to the sacrament. Um, that's my real time copy of what a bishop would say in an email. But uh, you, yeah. uh, but imagine it's just this really encouraging Thing because Gap sends me a, a, an email on my birthday saying happy birthday. But when's the last time the church sent you something on your birthday? Um, or just on a special occasion, you know, your anniversary or whatever it might be. And I think the heart of the church is that they want to do that. I meet so many amazing people in the church. And this is about giving them the tools to love really well. Because um, they do, they have the heart for it. And we're just giving them tools that they can, uh, that they can do that better. But that's not where it should end. Six months into their wedding, 
it should flag somebody at a diocesan or a parish level to say, hey, you know what the best time to build a strong foundation with your marriage is within the first year. Come to our newlywed workshop, which is probably a ministry that's available already in the diocese. I'm just uh, now able to connect that opportunity to that couple. Yeah. So, and then to kind of full circle it, there's another part of Tilma called Proclaim, which is about tr- taking disciples and helping them become missionaries, mm-hmm. you know, through training and expertise. And now if I can find a missionary trained couple that can mentor this couple who has had a positive experience with the church so far, then all of a sudden their connection that they have together can lead that couple on a potential faith encounter where they, they have a real shot at deepening their faith or experiencing God because we're matching disciples with potential disciples. Because we, we, uh, deep down, we know that people evangelize people. It's not that um, technology does not evangelize people. And our job as technologists and communicators and uh, people willing to serve the church is helping her connect people, uh, disciples to people who uh, need to encounter Christ through them and, and hear, hear the gospel. So. Hopefully that was, hopefully that explained a little bit. I knew, I know we got a little bit of time, so I can kind of go a little bit more in depth with you guys. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love it. Uh, I love the personal uh, touch there. As you said, you get the happy birthday from Gap, but (laughs) when's the last time we got it from our church or our diocese? So what you're doing also is very educational for others to be able to use the gifts of technology to be personal and to create disciples. So I just commend you on that. So, so how long has the Tilma project, how long has that been around and what is the future for it? Yeah. So um, again, in the Lord's leading, uh, we worked with a guy named Edmundo Reyes, who he is in the Archdiocese of Detroit and he launched Unleash the Gospel which is this uh, diocesan-wide uh, brand that is also on, on the same, you know, maintenance to mission. Uh, and so us getting involved there and helping uh, refine some of his strategy and, and working with him to develop some strategy, uh, build a brand and things like that. That's when we first got a taste of, oh, this is amazing. And seeing the power of a diocese uh, at that level. And then being from Vancouver here, uh, we have a relationship with some of the leaders here and we said, Hey, this is what we've just done in Detroit. And Edmundo is amazing. And he was able to, um, and you can still go take a look at unleashthegospel.org and just see the vision kind of played out there. Uh, and my hat goes off to him. We talk all the time. He's, he's one of the best communicators in the church. And, um, so I'm really, uh, uh, hats off to him. And then we started doing it here in Vancouver and saying, oh, with, uh, with the trust that we have in the relationships here, we started really dreaming. Mm-hmm. And we ended up launching Proclaim first, which is the part of the Tilma ecosystem that, you know, takes missionary um, disciples and helps them become missionary. And then we launched Behold, this last Pentecost in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> in order to have uh, th- that part of the, the Tilma ecosystem is helping uh Catholics, and here, here's the saddest fact that I've heard from the research done by others, 
is that 93% of the church is sacramentalized, but not evangelized in that they've encountered the sacraments, but they haven't actually um, had a personal, what Pope Benedict calls a, a personal encounter with Jesus. He says, Christianity begins with a personal encounter with Jesus. And that broke my heart. And, and that we said, how do we do that? And I think the church has historically rightfully so thought oh, intellectual formation is a really powerful way to do that. And I think as a church, we do that really well, but human formation at scale is something that we, that we haven't done super, super well. And so behold is the part of the ecosystem that launched on Pentecost that tries to help people with the human formation of the, you know, the Christian life, the Catholic life. And so as we're kind of doing that in Vancouver here, we, we're, we launch into a pandemic and go, Hey, the next diocese can use this as well. And, um, and that's, that's kind of how it happened. So we've had these really great experiences with tons of ministries over the last nine years in all these different facets, marriage and pro-life and, um, and parenting and evangelization. And now we've packaged all of that up really recently and put it into something we call the Tilma platform. And we're bringing that from diocese to diocese to diocese. And so we're in conversation with a few dioceses on figuring out how to roll that out there. Yeah, you know, that's that's really amazing. And, um, I, you know, I I think that you hit on one of the biggest keys uh, and, and the fact that you're out there solving that issue within the church is just going to help it grow exponentially because, uh, you know, we, we all know people sit in the pews and, and, and encounter the sacraments, uh, but they do not have the conversion of heart. Uh, they, they don't have that relationship, as you said, the human formation to... To recognize, I mean, you know, going back to the beginning of the interview, that God is their Father. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and that you're going to walk with people throughout the course of their lives, because that's what God is there to do. God is there to walk with you, bring you into the meetings, bring you into the um, different spots in your life. So, what a beautiful uh, mission that you have, and and it's just a great way to um, to to approach ministry as a whole. Uh, especially with, you know, dioceses or even independent ministries. I know that you work a little bit with those as well. So it's just a great way to be able to, to, to bring the gospel to, to, to the world. Um, and so, so thank you for your unique, uh, and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because clearly that's how this is, you know, happening in your, in your ministry and in your uh, business, right? So, so thank you for just being in tune and, and, and solving the problem outside the box, because I think... Oftentimes, dioceses or, or parishes, they they do the exact same thing over again. We we have to get better at this, and then well, we don't, you know, because we don't because we just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Um, and you know, we have to raise money. We have to do this. We have to do that. I think the way you're approaching things is just groundbreaking and and so cool. So so thank you for for listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and doing it. Yeah. Uh, um. Go, uh, yeah, I agree, and I thank you as well because. One of the very important key aspects of evangelization is to get personal, right? And not make it, as you said, that 92% or whatever that number was, where people have been uh, introduced to the sacraments, but not really evangelized in, in anything other than just going through the motions of receiving those sacraments as a child or as a young person. So I think you're going from point A to point B and to really bringing them into the church 
welcoming and making people feel like they are part of something much bigger than themselves. Cause mm -hmm. isn't that what it's about? Yeah. I mean, if you think of what is the, I'm going to sound like a marketer for a second, but hear my disciple heart. If you think of what is the best thing to sell in the whole universe, it is Jesus. Like there's just, um, and I, I don't think it's easy, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I think that, you know, we, that we have an enemy, we have like uh, a, a culture that, um, that can be close to it. You know, Jesus warns us, you know, in this world, you have trouble, but you know, he's overcome the world, but I think it's, uh, it's so easy, uh, to forget, you know, like what, what this thing is, this thing is what we all long for. I think of the title of, um, uh, Ralph Martin's book, like it's the fulfillment of all desire. And I think that the church in the modern age, especially in what we're going into a post COVID, I think more online world, we need to figure out as a church collectively, how to have that, how to speak to desire when it comes to communicating, because the more I encounter Jesus, the more free I feel and I become, and I experience life with more joy and everything that every person is longing after. I think GK Chesterton said, uh, every man who walks into a brothel is in search of God. And I feel like we have that dynamic is all over, uh, the world, at least the ones that I'm living in, uh, there's, there's all this searching for something and we get the opportunity of say, Hey, that thing is, is this. And there's, I understand there's reasons why that's not trusted right now and that there's complexities to that. But what we find, um, uh, at least my heart, my big vision is there are people who understand this in, uh, the ministry space, like in the diocesan ministry space, there's these innovators, and I want to help them disrupt the current ministry model that exists so that uh, we grow from 93% or whatever it is uh, of people who are sacramentalized and not evangelized to way higher. And we know it's, you know, the church is not going to be yourself if it's 100% because then it's closed off and it's just us and the world. Um, but I think that's a, a key, key part to this whole thing is how do we help people disrupt the model so that we can be truly free uh, to share the gospel. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you brought up something there where you just, you know, what happens if you grow that a little bit, you know, take it down from 93 to, to 90 to 90 or 90. And it just reminded me of what, you know, Matthew Kelly said in the four signs of um, a dynamic Catholic, right? Like he, he, he said exactly what you just said. And it's, um, you know, what if I was able to take it from seven to eight percent? You know, what if I was able to take that? Can, you know, what if I was able to just turn it a little bit? It would actually blow open the world. It would just change the world. Um, and and you're right. The best thing to sell is Jesus. You know, I mean, yes, I, I agree. <laughs> I, the best thing to sell is Jesus. It's one of the hardest things to do. Um, but it, it, you know, there, there's no greater product, um, you know, and you hate to call Jesus a product yeah, because he's, because he's, because he's not a product, he's a person. Um, but, but, but there's nothing greater to talk about than, than your, um, than your savior. There's nothing greater to talk about, you know, than, man, this is what Jesus did for me. I mean, think about it in the gospel, right? The, you know, he's, he's got beggars, he's got blind men, he's got, you know, lepers and they're, 
once they're once they're encountering him, once they encounter him, and they they just are the best salespersons for him, right? I mean, even the one guy that said, uh, to, he said to him, please don't go and tell anybody else. Uh, <laughs> what did he do? He went out and told everybody. Uh, so, I mean, he, he clearly, clearly, it, it's the best thing to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. So for the people listening, and maybe there are some pastors, dioceses, we do have a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are really into church ministry, and they're thinking, you know, I love what I'm hearing. What would be the next steps? And what are the steps that they would follow with you to get involved and to sign up? Yeah, I think the the first thing that I'd want them to consider is if you think about discipleship, and you mentioned that Matthew Kelly, the four signs of um, a dynamic Catholic, I think that's um, yep. what you referenced. What we've discovered is that uh, and we didn't start here, but we we got, we got here, is that discipleship is the business plan of the church. Um, because for every 1% that increases in, you know, if you go from 7 to 8%, how the math works out, that's 12% more in giving and 12% more in ministry activity. So for every 1% we grow, we grow 12% in money and time spent, you know, sharing... Uh, you know, ministering in the church. And so if, if, if you're a pastor listening, um, I think we all like orienting everything, all the signs that we see is if we double down on discipleship, we end up with a healthier, happier, more stable, all that kind of, all those good kind of things, church. And so um, if that is an idea that, that, that grabs you and you know that that's uh, where you want to be, I invite you to go to tomaplatform.com. Uh, we have entry points. If you're just a pastor at a pre uh, at a parish, um, we the parish product is available to you um, by yourself. You don't have to be. You don't have to lock that through your diocese at all or things like that. We're happy to serve individual parishes all over all over the country. And if you're in in diocese and you're you're either in evangelization and you're like, hey. Uh, that you know, proclaim and behold that you mentioned earlier, those sound really appealing. You can uh, also go to tillmanplatform.com uh, and check that out. And we'd be happy to, to walk you through the, the platform, show you what it is. And from the parish perspective, if you are a pastor, just to go back to that, we're doing a uh, pay what you can model up until the end of the year. So if you sign up on our wait list and um, yeah, that can be, uh, if you really can't afford it, we're happy to do that. Uh, for zero dollars, um, because that's really where our, our hearts at in in this in this ministry, and we know that you know discipleship is the business plan, and it's going to uh, we're going to help you be able to afford it eventually. So we want to align our business goals with uh, with the church thriving. I love how you're using your gifts to help the church and to evangelize. And, um, and it's just a beautiful thing. And you have a wonderful team of, I think you said 18 or 19 people that work with you. Yeah, that's right. 19 people. Amazing. Amazing. And, um, and tell us also, I know you said that you're a father of five, you're married. Uh, so mm -hmm. how does your family love what you're doing? I'm sure they do. Yeah. So, um, my kids are, uh, still fairly young. My oldest is nine, you know, so we've got nine, seven, uh, five, four and two 
And so our house is just just crazy. But they um, the degree of which they understand what we're doing is, hey, we're telling uh, we're sharing Jesus with the world. So uh, my, my wife has a hard enough time explaining uh, w- what we do. So when she gets asked, oh, what does your husband do? She's like, you got to just write something down so I can tell people. And I was like, OK, just go, you know, send them to the website. But obviously you can't do that in every conversation. But our kids love the idea that we're sharing Jesus with the world. Um, and that's that's about what they can understand at this point. Um, but it makes for a really great conversation. Yes. Yeah, I just wonder, was this, this just kind of popped into my head. So as an end user now, that's more of a business term, right? We're talking mm-hmm. evangelization. I'm a parishioner at a church within a diocese, and my diocese is uh, using your platform. Mm-hmm. So tell me some of the things that I can expect to see and experience. I think that would be a great place for us. I'm just wondering for my own self. I mean, I'm in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I love what I'm hearing. I mean, I hope they do yeah. it. So tell me what, as an end user on my end, what would I see uh, to feel more connected to my diocese, the church, and also just the whole universal Catholic church? Yeah. So, um, uh, as a parishioner in a diocese, like our connection really, uh, what we find uh, through our research and sort of most people sitting in the pew don't really understand what diocese means. I think they understand it's like the managerial structure or some sort of formalized version of the church. That's kind of where the bishop is. Um, but really our relationship with, uh, with the church universal is we kind of think Pope and then we know we kind of have a bishop and then we have a pastor and the pastor or our priest or our parish community is really where we have a connection with the church. So as an end user, the platform allows you to, um, you know, to go on your website and find your, uh, your sacraments, you know, like how, you know, when's confession, when's mass, you know, like uh, in, a, in a perfect world with no pandemic, you know, that's, uh, that's super easy. Uh, and, but then the, the other part that we are doing that's a little bit different is we've connected uh, a content library to Tilma that goes to the parish, but it's also at the diocesan level. So we've, uh, we're forming content partnerships with all sorts of people. And if a diocese has licenses with you know, bigger content producers, um, we're curating these, these pieces of content that really speak to helping people start those faith journeys. So, um, like I mentioned, the abiding together podcast, like we've got them on the platform and, uh, and if you, if you have an account on Tilma, so if you registered at your parish, you can, uh, orchestrate your giving. So you can do all your giving online. You can, uh, change your, you know, by just logging into, um, into the system, you can do that, but we can also, we're sending you personalized, uh, content that's based on you so if you're say a 35 year old mom uh we're not going to send you the catholic cemeteries in your area information because it's not relevant to you and so but we will send you the content and the events and everything that's diocesan wide that's relevant to your age and stage and uh, all those kinds of things so we're trying to make it so that you're just getting the relevant information that the church wants to share so that we're not just adding more to the noise and yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's uh, in a nutshell. There's that, and then so many more things that you can uh, that you can expect from the platform. 
Yeah, and just be able to, I mean, think about, you know, if there's, you know, just the regular average Joe Catholic out there listening to this right now, uh, I mean, you think about the things you can connect into, uh, you know, on this platform. So uh, even if, you know, even if you're a regular Joe Catholic out there, just, you know, maybe, you know, one of that 92% that's tuned in tonight, uh, and you're like, man, this, this could spark my faith, you know, go talk to your pastor, right? Go talk to your pastor, go talk to, I mean, if you have access to the bishop, you probably don't, but go talk to your pastor and see, you know, how, how they can implement this in your, in your parish, right? Wouldn't you just kind of say that, Jason, or no? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I feel like uh, if, if you're at a parish, when I had my conversion experience, I had no idea where to go and find content and if it was trusted or all those kinds of things. But uh, when I went to my pastor, who's now, you know, I mentioned he's a, he's a bishop now, he was able to lead me and guide me in a way, but that was one-to-one. And I was lucky enough and I sort of have a personality where I'm, where I'm free enough to go and talk to my pastor and kind of wrestle my faith out with him. But I, I'm, an, you know, I'm a pretty big, big extrovert and I have a lot of friends who are introverted and that sounds like a really scary thing to do. But if, um, if you want curated content that your pastor can say, hey, this is what I want to share with my people, here's where you start, that's a way for them to, um, to advocate and say, hey, I want you to, dear pastor, to be able to, to approve content so that you can recommend content for me and I can see where your heart's at and what you're doing mm-hmm. um, so I can follow that. So uh, for sure, advocate for, for the system because it's more than just able to manage your giving and, and things like that. It's actually that we want to send you on a journey of faith so that you can have a deeper encounter with God. And so I think many, many people I've talked to are, are longing for that. And if we can help them, uh, or if you want your pastor to help you with that, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I love how you are touching people's lives. You know, you are running a business and you're doing a great job. And you have to put dinner on the table and a roof over your own head and for everybody that works for you. But you know that the, the, the end goal for, for your company, for what you're doing, is that you care so deeply about the people of the church and evangelizing them and bringing them back into the Catholic church. So I just want to commend you on that. And I'm on your website right now. I just want to invite people to go to glasscanvas.io online and check it out. And it says right on your website on the front page that that you use the power of a holistic ministry system to disciple, inspire, and send out your parishioners to evangelize their homes and communities through Tilma's set of digital tools, rich content, and ongoing services. You can better meet the needs of your parishioners in a digital age and begin the journey of transforming your diocese. I mean, I like that word, transforming. Because that's what the church needs, really. It's what the church needs worldwide. Because after this pandemic, you know, it's been tough. So I, I'm just grateful for ministries like yours. Um, and I told you before at the beginning that I actually am the director for a nonprofit. Bill's also a nonprofit too. So tell us, what do you do for people like us? Um, because we also get a lot of nonprofits that listen in on these podcasts. Yeah, and... Uh... We, we have a, a podcast ourselves that we sort of, we did a series. We're not in the uh, podcasting business as much as you guys are, but we felt like, hey, we've got this, um, what we call a ministry foundation. So 
how do we create something that's going to resonate with the world? And our, our process is very spirit led in saying, what has God animated in you? What is the Holy Spirit animated in you? And we, we come at it with marketing terms, but it actually feels more like a spiritual exercise in that. Why do you exist? What has the, what is the father ordained for your uh, ministry or your nonprofit to exist? What, what part of God are you animating in that space? And when you can name that, it's so powerful to understand which lane is yours, what you're called and anointed to do. And so we got a, a podcast series, which would, you know, just bless anyone who wants to listen to it. It's called Speak the Unspoken. You can find it wherever uh, podcasts are available. Um, and uh, Speak the Unspoken by Glass Canvas. And so that just runs through the, the principles of uh, why, what your brand promise should be. And really that's, you know, if you guys are like, oh, you know, marketing is a, is a bad word. I want to, uh, to just, you know, hold some room for we really come from a, a spiritual perspective on these things. And we've taken these uh, tools that have been developed in, uh, in sort of the marketing world. And we, we try to apply them in a faith context. And it's, it's different, where, <clears throat> excuse me, where you'd read that anywhere else. So that's the first thing. Um, the other thing is, Tilma has so much room to build in content or ministry right into the platform because we know that you know these apostolates are filling gaps where uh, a diocese can't or shouldn't uh, reach into. So uh, our job is to figure out where those things fit, and we'd love to be able to to connect with through content. So. Um, one of our core values at Glass Canvas is, I've said it already twice on the podcast, is being called and anointed. We believe God kind of calls people and anoints them. Like he's got the special part of himself that he wants to give to the world through you. And uh, we'd love to figure out if and how that fits within Tilma. So if you're in a ministry that's producing content, we'd love to, um, we'd love to talk. We'd love to figure out how to, um, how to get that content into the right spots. And we also... Uh, we help ministries figure out their brand. And we do that from, again, from a spiritual perspective in figuring out very clear and aligned way about how to communicate who you are. It's very important. I mean, in, in my work that I do, I work for the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. And mm. I've learned so much about what you just said. What you communicate is just so important to your mission and to what how people read what you what your mission is and that's more, more important is how are they seeing you right and and what are, what is their interpretation of your ministry and what you can do to help them and the people they know yeah so. and, and and your story you matters you know what god has done in your organization um you guys have been prompting me the whole time to kind of just share i think that you know spirit-filled organizations they have a salvation history of their own that's really powerful that if we can see what God has done in the past and where he's really, uh, where the spirit has come to life in an organization, then we can go, okay, how do we stay true to that? And it helps in all sorts of decisions that a ministry might have to make because we're, um, the more disciplined we can be in the things that we say no to create the yeses that really lead to life-giving opportunities for, for our own lives, but also for the organizations and the people we serve. Oh, I agree with that. You, you cannot say yes to everything that comes down 
you know, we, we only have so much time and we have to also have time for our friends and family, right. And for our faith really to pray and be with the Lord and, and celebrate the sacraments. So absolutely very, very important. So we have about five more minutes left to the podcast. It's been so much fun so far. We have to have you back. Yeah, would you I'd have any, yeah. Would you have any final words or anything else that you want to a call to action or something to the people listening? Yeah. I, I, um, so much of what we've talked about is available, you know, on either our website at glasscanvas.io or tilmaplatform.com. Uh, the biggest, I think the thing I want to leave you with the most is it can be very easy to be discouraged in the church. I think of, especially where, uh, um, where the obligation of mass has been um, uh, lifted you know, where people aren't, you know, you're not obligated to go to mass anymore. We know that there are people who, uh, who might not return. And I think what we have to ask ourselves is what was COVID 18 in, in our, in our parish or in our church? You know, we know what COVID 19 was, but what was COVID 18? And do we want to return to that? And that's sort of a somber note, but I see, you know, I, I have a, a real privilege of being able to work with ministries across, uh, across the U.S. In, in discerning what God is doing in their midst. And I see a tremendous amount of hope for the church. I see dioceses are, um, they're coming alive. I feel like everyone, 10 years ago, people weren't asking the question of evangelization. And before COVID hit, I feel like, so many of them were saying, hey, how do we evangelize more effectively? It has become almost a buzzword in, in a thing. And I think instead of being, uh, I'm encouraged by that. We're all trying to figure out how the church can be more herself. And, and my call to action would be just to pray, to pray into that, to pray into this renewal that, that I think uh, God is doing. And I want to share that from my perspective, I see the Holy Spirit is moving and uh, we're alive for such a time as this so that we can make a difference in the church and look back, you know, we'll celebrate all in heaven together and, and have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jason, this was so fantastic to have you on today. Thank you so much for sharing and just sharing your, uh, sharing so much wisdom and sharing your story. Uh, it's been so powerful to so thank you. I uh, agree. So powerful. And I'd love to have you back again. I know Bill oh, does Absolutely. Too. Yeah, I'd love to come back. It was a it was a real joy. Thank you for holding my story and letting me share a lot and uh, and uh, and jumping right in there with me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, uh, folks. I want to remind you as we're closing up tonight's podcast that there are a few hours left on our uh, free download of our uh, contemplative stations, uh, the contemplative Las Posadas download. Uh, it's available for free on Amazon until 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so, so please uh, head over to Amazon, and uh, if you got a Kindle, or even if you don't have a Kindle, you can read it on the computer for free. Uh, and it's also part of our Advent pilgrimage, which is ongoing. Uh, and uh, if you haven't signed up yet for that, that's also free. It's available uh, on parousiamedia.com. Uh, check the links below. We'll put the links uh, in the podcast notes, along with uh, all of Jason's websites and stuff like that, in case uh, you don't have that uh, you know, razor-sharp memory uh, to remember all the websites and everything. They'll be in the show notes. But folks, uh, I want to thank you, and as always, thank you, Anne, uh, for being here tonight. And uh, it's exciting to be back from Thanksgiving and in Advent.
Oh, thank you, Bill. And thank you so much, Jason. It was so nice to meet you. You guys too. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, being here with us tonight. As always, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andysantis.com. But thank you for being with us. And as we always say, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Are you looking for a way to deepen your prayer life and faith this Advent season? A Contemplative Las Posadas by Bill Snyder is a novena that offers reflections based on the traditional Mexican devotion that reenacts the journey of St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The ecclesiastically approved devotional is available for purchase for only $4.99 on our website, patchworkheart.org, or emailing info at patchworkheart.org.